Hello and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm K.W. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gester. And today we're discussing Carrie's new Dungeons and Dragons adventure. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> as well as two sitcoms, Rutherford Falls and Maggie. So welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, we took a longer break than intended because I got COVID. <laughs> but I'm recovering. I'm a little coffee, but uh, here we are and we are back and I'm excited to be back. Yay. And I successfully did not pass COVID to you <laughs> when yes. we had lunch one day. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. That was... <laughs> I did not know I had it yet, so. Oh, it's okay. I was very worried that I passed it to you, but. I know, and I appreciate that, but I, yes, I beat it. I, I had a force field around me, but. Yes. We managed. We were outdoors, <laughs> so we believe in the outdoors uh, supremacy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Let me, let me say, yes, this is proof that outdoors is a lot safer than indoors. I've done a lot of outdoor hangs and i have still never gotten covid knock knock <laughs> knock on wood yes but so yes our summer hiatus was a little longer than we meant it to be uh so we're gonna we're gonna be doing a lot of episodes coming up and we're gonna make sure that we keep going through the fall that's right yeah 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 but while you were sick you had some exciting publication news. So I did. Tell us all about this. Yeah. So I took a class in July. It was a month long class through the Storytelling Collective, which you can find online. And the class was Write Your First Adventure. Mm -hmm. And I took the D&D track because I'm more familiar with that than any, any of the other RPG systems. And I wanted to sort of challenge myself, and I've been thinking about writing my own for a while, and I just thought this was a good way to do it, because I would get some get some tutelage, I guess, and not have to do it totally on my own, but also have a, a deadline, which I didn't actually meet, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're supposed to do it in a month, and I took vacation at the end of July and I got a little bit behind but I was able to wrap it up and my adventure is called A Matter of Perspective and it's up on dmsguild.com so you can go and buy it if you would like to run a one-shot adventure for your D&D group but it is about your adventuring party is in this town and they can they can be you know in the tavern or go into the blacksmith and buy some stuff, whatever they need to be doing. And then the commoner rushes in and is like, my son has been taken by the witch on the hill. <gasps> and then if the, if the adventurers accept the quest, then they go try to rescue the son and they run in obstacles along the way because the, the so-called witch is a dragonborn sorceress named Sabine. And she is sort of just, She's a recluse, so she doesn't want people nearby. <laughs> and I set it up so every room in her house has an obstacle until you get to her. And uh, the the thing that I really wanted to bring out was that stories can differ depending on who's telling them and whose point of view you're looking at it from. Mm -hmm. So when you get to the dragonborn sorceress at the end... 
I wanted her to provide a different sort of story than the original commoner told the adventurers. Oh. I wrote it so that the dungeon master can sort of play up whichever side they want to, but the adventurers kind of have to choose who to support at the end. And um, they could support neither of them and try to make a truce between these two people. Yeah, that was sort of what I went into it with. I was like, I want an adventure where people kind of aren't aren't quite sure who to trust and they have to make that decision. So very cool. Yeah, it was a really interesting writing exercise. Mm -hmm. Have you ever written one? No, no. The only times I've run a game of anything, I've run other people's scenarios. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that because it's everything's laid out for you. Yeah. <laughs> Less brain power. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I mean, everything is, even though I'm really into fantasy, <laughs> like it was hard because there is so much to pick from in the DD world like there are so many source books and i had to decide like what kind of spells that this person knows and just what kind of treasure that they would have and stuff like that and there are just so many rules too so i don't know if i've successfully adhered to all the rules <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is so like on the one hand that's really exciting because you could do so much with it. But on the other hand, at times I got a little bit overwhelmed because I was just like, I don't know where to start kind of, but, um, it really challenged me and I had, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any questions about writing one? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I've written stories and novels and nonfiction and stuff. So mm -hmm. what writing skills do you think were the most important to already be good at to write this kind of genre? Oh, um, probably like a good sense of plot. Okay. Because so, that's kind of what I struggled with. I was like, I want these two people to have a history, but I was trying to figure out that history for a long time. And then once I finally did, it sort of clicked. Mm -hmm. And the writing style is a lot different so it's very straightforward and you're writing to the dungeon master yeah to tell them how to run an adventure so i would be i would be like you could have you could do this instead or like roll a d6 and see which obstacle they run into on the trek and if your players want more of a challenge roll it two or three times you know mm -hmm. so it's less about prose yeah you just want to be kind of you don't want to be like purpley or you're not really telling a story. You're helping the DM tell a story. Yeah. So there's that layer that I kind of had to get used to. And the other thing to keep in mind, even with the plot, like once you have a, a plot, you also want to make sure that the characters have choices. So they, there's this thing that they call railroading where you just, it's just, making sure the story stays on track, but that that doesn't allow for character choice. Mm -hmm. So, I, d I mean, I don't know if I did that successfully. <laughs> I don't know if I did any of these things successfully. I did my <laughs> best. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's great. 
Thank you. But yeah, that's definitely an interesting thing to keep in mind because you don't know what kind of characters are going to interact with this adventure. Mm-hmm. Like I could think about how my character would do it, but that could be super different than another person's character. Mm-hmm. So one of the the challenges is keeping options open and making sure the characters can decide how to do things and what to do and, and all that stuff. And it's, it's a lot to think about. It's like I said, it was very overwhelming at times and I'm sort of surprised I finished. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. Thank you. And remind mm-hmm. us again, where, where can people purchase this? Yes, you can purchase this on www.dmsguild.com and if you just search my name Carrie Gester or a matter of perspective it should come up cool thank you Mm -hmm. but you while I was sick you caught up on (laughs) (laughs) on a show on Peacock called Rutherford Mm -hmm. Falls tell us about that yeah this show is really gentle and sweet and has a really big heart. It's been airing on Peacock or streaming on Peacock um, since 2021. And they just released um, the second season this summer. And I'm almost done with season two. So basically, this is created, co-created by Ed Helms, who also stars in it, and also Michael Schur, who worked on The Office and Parks and Recreation and The Good Place and a bunch of other stuff as well as Sierra Teller Ornelius. And the setup kind of, the premise sort of changes a little bit over the course of the series, but it starts out in this little town called Rutherford Falls, which is probably supposed to be in like upstate New York or so. And it's a really small town with a really big historical focus and a large population of Native American people, specifically from the Minnesota Nation, which is fictional, but that's the like local tribe there. And we have Nathan Rutherford, who is the very, very proud descendant of the town's founder, and he runs the town's heritage museum, which is also in his home. <laughs> and he's best friends with Regan Wells, and she's played by Jaina Schmieding. And so they were lifelong best friends. Um, she runs the local Minishanka Cultural Center, but that's located in a little like conference room in the town casino, and people don't go to it, and it's really <laughs> kind of marginalized. And she's very unhappy, and like she has like a master's degree in museum museum studies or something, and is constantly frustrated that she can't make her museum better, and. Uh, Nathan's museum is a little bit more of a focus. So through some crises in their small town, their friendship is kind of a little bit rocky at times. Season one is all about the town's mayor deciding to move a statue of Nathan's ancestor because people keep crashing their cars (laughs) into it. It's like at a roundabout or something. And he's like, we're going to leave it in place and I'm going to lobby for this. And This guy, Josh Carter, played by Dustin Milligan, makes a podcast for NPR about Rutherford Falls and about Nathan and about the struggle to keep the um, statue in place. And Regan ends up having a little romance with Josh. But it starts to kind of unfold and become less about this particular situation and more about the characters. 
Michael Gray Eyes plays this guy, Terry Thomas, who runs the casino, and he is very slick and deadpan, and there's a lot of conflict between him and Nathan and also Regan. And also Bobby Yang is played by Jesse Lee, and Bobby is a high school student when the series begins, and they work at Nathan's um, Heritage Museum. But it's clear that Bobby has, like, larger hopes and dreams for their life <laughs> as, like, a potential influencer. And, like, Bobby is not the kind of person that you would necessarily see working at a little museum. <laughs> um, and in season two, they run for mayor, even though at that point they're only 18. Mm, wow. And they're running on, like, the youth vote and kind of non-binary visibility and stuff and anyway i i bobby is one of my favorite characters even though they're not in it as much <laughs> um they're just very funny i also have to give a shout out to dayton ohio's own beth stelling who plays uh-huh. a recurring character of peggy fish who is this very over-the-top teacher who has a crush on nathan and she's ridiculous <laughs> but there's just a lot of like these side characters who are very silly paul f Tompkins plays this like alcoholic professor um and he's really funny and just kind of like a lot of it has to do with identity and marginalization colonization the struggle between the the different ways we tell history our own personal history as well as local history American history and kind of like cross-cultural influence and coming to better understandings of each other. And I think over time, they really emphasize that part more and more. And that's when it starts to become really compelling and sweet. But it's also like, it's really a show about this core central friendship. And I don't know, like, I really like that. It's just very sweet. Both of the leads are really charming and funny. I like that Ed Helms is playing a character who is actually mostly likable. His character on The Office, I had, like, when I watched The Office the first time through, I had thought that his character on there was great and fine. But rewatching that at the beginning of the pandemic, I came to think, wow, Andy is kind of a jerk and awful and really full of rage. And Nathan Rutherford is not like that. He's a lot gentler. He's very unreliable, but he's not, he's not an angry mean bad person he Mm -hmm. really really tries to do the right thing sometimes that is not the correct thing but he (laughs) tries (laughs) (laughs) and even though regan is kind of this character that you think she's speaking for her tribe and is trying to present this i don't know this vision of several different intersectional identities coming together she also is very fallible and not perfect and in that sense extremely extremely relatable She's kind of the voice of the, I would say, exennial, <laughs> like coming to a point where you're in your like mid thirties or so and things are not necessarily going super great and you're just kind of trying to do your best. Hashtag relatable. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And yeah, and I think over time too, they give a lot of the, these um, supporting characters a little bit more backstory. Like okay. at first, Terry seems like just a jerky CEO mm-hmm. and that he's trying to capitalize on his heritage uh, for exploitative purposes. And you just think of him as the sort of villainous rich guy. But they give him a couple of episodes and subplots of his own. And when you see him with his family, he becomes much more likable and you understand some of his motivations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just really, it's really sweet. It's very gentle. It's very positive. 
and warm-hearted. So if you like things that are of that uh, feel-good milieu, I think this would be a winner. It's been getting really, really positive reviews, especially on places like Rotten Tomatoes. Like it's got a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. I think part of the problem of people not finding it is that it is on Peacock, Mm -hmm. which is not maybe getting as much traction. And I think that the initial storyline was very much inspired by like Confederate monument removal. And that's not really what the whole overall series is really about. So if that little kind of headline grabbing plot doesn't sound compelling, they do kind of move on from that. Yeah relatively quickly and give things a little bit more interesting backstory and nuance so yes yeah i i agree i've watched about six episodes and i think it gets better as it goes on Mm -hmm. and it's the statue stuff is an interesting choice to start with because they set it up so that nathan and regan are like your your main characters and your view into this world Mm -hmm. but they don't agree on that issue no which makes sense but also you're like wait what? <laughs> wait i like both of them but you're it's pretty clear that like nathan is sort of fighting a losing battle and yes. you're not quite sure why uh which mm-hmm. i think is an interesting choice for one of your main characters right off the yeah. bat you know yeah. but um yeah i think it, it gets more solid as it goes on and i really do like you said enjoy the friendship between nathan and regan yeah Cool. So I would recommend you continue it. And okay, I am enjoying season two almost more so far. I Excellent. think some storylines are moving in an interesting direction. But yeah, it's really fun. Great. I will continue. I promise. Yeah. But we you actually recommended this other show to me, yes. which then I binged hard. And like, <laughs> I didn't think I would like this. And like Rutherford Falls, it got even better as it mm-hmm. went. Exactly. Yeah. And this is also about friendship, I think. Yes. Yes. So tell us about Maggie. <laughs> yeah. So the, this is a show on Hulu. There are 13 half hour episodes. They're all out and available for you to watch. I watched them in like three days. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about Maggie, played by Rebecca Rittenhouse. And she is a psychic. So you're just going to have to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> She is, I don't know, in her late 20s, maybe, and sort of still figuring out life and being a psychic. And she's had this ability since she was small, but she is doing readings at a party or at a bar or something. And she does a reading for Ben, played by David Del Rio, and she sees... What happens when she has her visions is she just has like these flashes and she has to interpret them. And sometimes she interprets them very wrong, (laughs) wrongly. (laughs) (laughs) But what she sees, one of the visions she sees for Ben is herself like in the mirror. And there's also a baby or baby toys or something in the scene. So she gets kind of freaked out and thinks it means that she and Ben are going to get together and have kids and stuff. And then they do hook up, but then she's like, no, 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 this is... I can't remember why she basically dumps him. she sees him getting married to somebody else in her vision. Yeah. So then she's like, oh, well, I guess I was wrong. This doesn't have a lot of... I don't want to 
get too deep because I'll get hurt. So she breaks it off very abruptly. Yeah. And he's like very confused and hurt. But then, because it's a rom com, uh, <laughs> <laughs> her parents own an apartment building where she lives too. And an apartment goes vacant and he and his girlfriend move in like a month later. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of on and off for a really long time. And now they're back together and moving in together. And she's just like, oh, this is really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and his girlfriend, Jessie, is played by Chloe Bridges. And she took a, a kind of a while to... I, I took a while to warm up to her. She was a little bit abrupt at first. <laughs> and then Maggie's best friend, Louise, is played by Nicole Sakura. And she is the best part of the show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> love her yeah. nicole sakura was on superstore as mm-hmm. cheyenne who is a very ridiculous character and i like that here she's allowed to play someone who's a little bit less ridiculous but not much yeah louise is a yoga instructor but she used to was she actually a doctor or she went to med school but didn't decide I think to be she a doctor. didn't finish yeah um so she's a yoga teacher and she decided to be a yoga teacher because it's a lot less pressure um she'd been a little too high achieving and needed something more chill Mm -hmm. and she's just very funny and she adopts a dog at one point who's ridiculous and yeah (laughs) oh my goodness but i love that she's the best friend but she's a lot she gets her own storylines she gets her own backstory she's a fully realized character she's Mm -hmm. not just a token best friend who doesn't have her own life so yes yeah same and then Maggie has a, a mentor named Angel, played by Ray Ford, who is also a psychic. And yeah, I think kind of the same with him. He gets more depth as the show goes on, and he gets yes. some backstory to make him um, more than just a mentor character. Mm-hmm. And then you have Amy, played by Angelique Cabral, who is Ben's sister, and her boyfriend dave played by leonardo nam and they did he like win big in cryptocurrency or something or like the tech world but they're basically millionaires and they don't work (laughs) yeah well she's like a food influencer or something like she does i think some cookbooks and some food blogging or whatever but yeah he is basically a house husband and doesn't and he also is super chill and Mm -hmm. likes everybody and that was sort of irritating at the beginning but then there's a later (laughs) episode where he gets some more depth and that was very sweet i I really liked it he's one of my favorite favorite characters (laughs) well i think at the beginning he just he didn't have enough to do so you're like what is he's just very calm all the time but they (laughs) yeah i think they explain that better yeah yeah and maggie's parents are so silly her mom (laughs) is played by Carrie Kenny Silver, who old people may know from the state and also Superstore, mm-hmm. um, and Reno 911. And her dad is played by Chris Elliott from uh, Schitt's Creek mm-hmm. and all of the other things. And <laughs> I like that Chris Elliott, like, okay, he was my least favorite part of Schitt's Creek, not because mm-hmm. of him, but because of his character. His character yeah. was really irritating, grating. He had almost no redeeming qualities. I never grew to like him. <laughs> and here he gets to be likable again. He's mm-hmm. like, is he an eye doctor or a dentist or something? I think he's a podiatrist. Podiatrist, that's it. 
And he's just very, he loves his wife so much and they're very cute together. And he's just a much more normal, likable character. And I was so relieved. <laughs> but her mom is a little, a little high strung and mm-hmm. irritable. And they have a slightly, Maggie and her mom, Maria, have a very flinty, contentious relationship at times. I think it goes back and forth. And there's a yeah. lot of, I don't know, a lot of, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what their source of their conflict is. I think they're in some ways a little bit too alike. Mm-hmm. Maria's a little bit flakier than Maggie. I think Maria thinks Maggie's the flaky one. I don't know. I think they just think each other is flaky and it's, uh, it just doesn't jive. They're, yeah. they're at loggerheads quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that happens, you know? And sometimes that happens. I think too, it came, it stemmed from Maggie's ability because I feel like Maria kind of didn't quite know how to handle it when she was growing yeah. up yeah yeah but that that relationship gets some exploration too throughout yes. the series but yeah it's i just really love basically what happens is maggie and louise get inducted into the friend group with ben and amy and jesse and dave so they're all mm-hmm. like hanging out all, together all the time and i think they actually do end up becoming really good friends and there are some fun little pairings that happen there like Mm -hmm. unexpected pairings where they have to hang out together and stuff Mm -hmm. and i just really loved that it was about a core friend group and Mm -hmm. yeah i just i thought that was really touching and there were times that mostly every episode that made me laugh out loud because of the dialogue Mm -hmm. but maggie is is a little bit hard to like at times because she (laughs) She's doing her best, but, like, sometimes she lets her visions mess with her friends, like, mm-hmm. her interpretations of the visions, mm-hmm. and they kind of screw things up for everyone else. Yeah. So, uh, what did you think about it in terms of, like, in terms of the psychic stuff? Like, it's not exactly time travel, but, it, it uh, like, are we dealing with self-fulfilling prophecies? Um, I think she thinks we are, mm-hmm. but... I think it tries to explore how much how much of our visions comes true because she sees them or mm-hmm. because they're supposed to come true, you know? Well, that's the big central question is that if you ki- if you could see the future, does that mean it's set in stone and can't be changed or is it kind of one possibility which you could end up going with or you could try really hard to prevent and subvert it? And I think she is she starts the series assuming that everything is fixed. So there's no point in pursuing Ben, even if the relationship would be good while it lasted, if she doesn't think it would be his, you know, one true, you know, love or or his wife or whatever. She just assumes, well, that's a waste of time. She doesn't really, she does date, but she doesn't really do long-term relationships because it can get kind of complicated if she sees a future that doesn't really include that person or it goes badly or whatever. So, but I think that Angel does a good job of trying to get her to see it as not necessarily fixed. And that also like, even if something isn't permanent, does that mean it wasn't worthwhile while it lasts? You know, like if you, if you knew something was doomed, but it was going to be good while it lasts, would, wouldn't you go ahead and still, try to pursue it i mean this is gonna sound very bleak and sad but technically every relationship ends even if it ends because one of you dies like (laughs) (laughs) wow 
I'm sorry, but like, you know. No, yeah, I get it. But isn't that okay? Like, you know, none of us would ever have friends or partners or anything if we thought of it too much for how it would end. Yeah. And so I think there are deeper kind of philosophical things at play here, but I want to emphasize this thing is so light and fluffy. It's like (laughs) meringue. Like it's not, it's not deep at all. Like if you like really cute clothes and (laughs) pretty people and very pretty sets and sunshine, this is like some episodes are 20 minutes long. It's very, (laughs) it's very lightweight. And I, I think, yeah, it was the perfect show to watch toward like the, the middle end of summer and I really hope it gets renewed because it's just so cute. Mm-hmm. Like Rutherford, Rutherford Falls is trying to say more like deep things about culture, but this is not really trying to say anything super duper deep except for these ideas of like, you know, relationships and stuff. But otherwise it is light as air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it gets a little bit deep in that like in the relationship stuff and Mm -hmm. the whole like fate thing. And we do end the season in a place where Maggie is sort of finally at that realization of, Mm -hmm. Oh, my visions are just one possibility. They're not set in stone. Mm -hmm. And I think that is going to be very interesting. And I really hope it does get renewed for a second season. So we -hmm. can explore that. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you're right. It's very, very light. And it was exactly what I needed. Yeah. At that point in time when I watched it, I was like, I need something that I could laugh at and Mm -hmm. that doesn't make me sad. (laughs) Yeah. And it's perfect for that. I don't think I ever got sad watching that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So to kind of wrap up, we can find your D&D adventure. What was the website again? One more time. It's www.dmsguild.com. Okay. And then Rutherford Falls is on Peacock. And where can we find Maggie? And we can find Maggie on Hulu. Great. Next week, we'll be talking about the final season of Motherland Fort Salem, the cozy classic dramedy Gilmore Girls, (laughs) and the entire second season of Only Murders in the Building. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And me at Carrie Gessner. And you can find the show on Twitter at Podcast. You can also find our website at PositivelyPopCulture.com, and from there you can find the link to the merch store, as well as our email, PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. And please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Unlike me, please stay healthy. (laughs) (laughs) And join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pop.